Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Tour de France <laughs> Stage 9 2022, a stage I thought would actually be a boring breakaway day, but it was much more than that. From Aigle, the UCI headquarters, we do uh, we go around Lake Geneva, I think it is, um, north, very beautiful, then hey, yeah, head north, come back, and then finish in Chateau de Port du Soleil, which is also near Aigle, they, they double back through it twice. And it's the first like mountain stage where we have a 30-minute climb and multiple climbs, but it just isn't a big GC day the way I look at it. Benji and I have been saying it's the Montaiguel stage all, well, since we first saw this, since like November, October. And it's like 13K is 4%, 8K is 7.5%, the Col de la Croix, and then descent, 20K flat valley, and then the Pas de Morgin, which is 12k, 7%, but it levels off at the end. Then there's a descent and there's a 4k, 4%, 4.5% finish. So without satellite riders, you cannot hold a gap. Um, it's just It just doesn't look GC to me, Benji. And the intermediate sprints after the climb just, just doesn't scream GC. And a big break did go. Like a big break went with the runners we expected, Izagira, Geshka, Conrad, Pollard as a tug buddy, all these sort of riders. And yeah, did you have you been surprised at how long it's taken for breaks to go? And I think my reason is the inexperience of the UAE flat domestiques who don't let the right break go straight away they chase things they don't need to i think it's a combination of both i think first of all you've got the situation that we have today where so many teams are intrigued to get in the breakaway we've got Grupama that wants to get in there with the likes of a pino for example we see that kemna tried a few times but eventually conrad ended up in a breakaway so that team is also willing to go in there we see that a team like Bahrain lost Haig, for example, wants to get someone in the breakaway. Arkea wants to get someone in the breakaway. EF wants to try and get someone in the breakaway. All these teams want to get in the breakaway. So that means that once a group of five goes, another rider says, oh, my team is not in there. So I need to respond and be in there. So then the next team follows. And therefore, the gaps get closed by other teams attacking every single time. So that's the one situation that leads to these long breakaway fights. But next to that, also, like you mentioned, the UAE team is a team that also here creates scenarios where, I think we spoke about it earlier in the stage, or too long we, where Wout Finard was trying to get in the breakaway 70,000 times. Well, here they try and have a rider every five to six positions to try yeah, and close yeah. the gaps that open up. And as a consequence of that being the case, these gaps are keeping themselves close so there's no situation where a group of five gets away for a bit they keep getting close like is that i'm not sure i can 100 percent blame ue too much i think that the first reason is the biggest one for me the fact that so many people wanted to be in the breakaway today i see that as a bigger reason or do you disagree with that no that is the bigger reason if eight teams if eight teams before the stage their directors have said we must be in the break today and six are in a move and two of the teams are not represented those two teams will go crazy and yeah. will not stop until they're in it and that just cycle rinse and repeats over and over again even when the break has uh has gone yeah and we see that today as well we saw that the first group of 15 riders goes up the road the one with you know with uran a rider on 340 roughly in gc 
Bob Jungels, Conrad Verona, a rider that could potentially be a satellite rider for Maz in this race, Castro Viejo potentially a satellite rider for Ineos in this race, plenty of other riders in there as well. And then a second group tries to get away a bit later once we've already had a bit of a phase where the peloton stopped for a bit. I but another rider kicks on. Yeah, exactly. Thought it was gone in the first breakaway, but another rider says to themselves, perhaps I should go in the breakaway. And I think this triggered something because we were getting so close to the initial sprint, the intermediate sprint, that Wout probably thought to himself, well, if I can bridge to this breakaway with that second group, I can get full points here. Like, this is a potential scenario for me. And we've also seen McNulty get into that second group. Do you think that McNulty triggered Wout to follow or the intermediate sprint coming up? So I've only watched it live once, but my reading of it is Total got the call. We're not in the break. Get the fuck in the break right now. <laughs> Bosenhagen starts doing a bridge. I think it was Bosenhagen for Pierre de Latour. Yep. McNulty gets onto it because he's trying to shut down moves going. The other break's at 30 seconds. He's like, no mass. They're trying to shut it down. Wout's on that. And then someone loses the wheel and suddenly you've got Bosenhagen just towing Van Aert and McNulty. I think when McNulty goes, Wout or Jumbo Visma have to then be represented when there's Movistar, Ineos, Bora all in the break and now UAE being bridged to it. I think if you're going to be taken to the break for free, you have to go, especially yeah. with the IS. Um, and so that's how the break formed. We had Total getting in it late. I will read out the whole list. Uh, Van Aert, Sturvens, the only one for Trek. Trek are having a shocking tour. Bob Jungels, who is very strong in Swiss. Uran on 340, as Benji mentioned. Pierre Latour, Patrick Conrad, not Kemner. McNulty, Hugo Uhl, and Guy Niv from Israel, but no Nalens or Woods. Woods crashed. Frank Bonnemore for BNB, who was very good last tour, but a bit less this year. Bargui for Arkea. Castro for Ineos. Luis Leon Sanchez for Bahrain. Pino for FDJ. Klozner Fwa for Azure Desert. Geshka Pollard is a tugboat, as I said. Tug buddy, sorry. Verona, who won the Dauphiné stage, similar stage to finish to this. Dombrowski, Holsons, and Izagira, as I said yesterday, but it wasn't raining, so I didn't like it. It's a big break, Benji, and you see those names. And when I read them all off at the end of yesterday's pod, that wasn't as a joke. We knew there'd be a big break today. I thought UAE is just going to give it six minutes, seven minutes, maybe not initially. Like... Okay, look, let me do the ad read for Zwift first because it's getting hot as hell and I'm <laughs> legit scared to ride outside in Andorra right now. You th might think that's soft. Go and look at the weather forecast for Foix down the road from me next week. We worry that that stage may be amended, cancelled or shortened because the weather is getting crazy in the south of France and the Pyrenees right now. But the men's Tour de France, as you know, is underway, with, which means the Tour de France Femme Swift is just around the corner. The Giro Rosa wrapped up today. We'll recap that in full tomorrow on our rest day pod. And Zwift are celebrating with a Watch the Fam mission that has kicked off, complete up to eight Watch the Fam events for your chance to unlock in-game kit on Zwift, but also unlock Tour de France Femme Swift leaders' jerseys signed by their eventual winner. Head to Zwift.com to find out more and start your free seven-day trial. We will obviously have a Tour de France fam Aveg Zwift preview pod like we do for the Tour de France uh, men's race. That will drop before the race. That race kicks off on the stage 21, Champs-Élysées. It's before the men's race, sprint stage, kind of inverse of the men's parkour. But Benji, that big break, that big break, big break bakery, 
the big break goes, I don't mind you only keeping it tight before the first climb because here she's fucked. He's on his last legs. Yeah. I think you flog here, she on the flat, keep it as tight as possible so that you don't have to bring back eight minutes later. I think that point is fine. Or do you disagree? I agree with that. You want to keep in mind that Uran has 340 roughly in GC and is in that breakaway. So every second that he gains, he gets closer. But if you think about the danger for Uran in GC, well, he's likely going to lose five plus minutes in a future mountain stage. And that's like the low amount that he could lose in a future mountain stage. So let's say he loses five minutes, then you can give this guy eight minutes in GC and not be overly worried about it in general. So three minutes that he's behind plus five minutes that he would get ahead at the end of the stage. That's the, the scenario I'd be looking at as a worst case if you pace on the stage as UAE. But you also got to keep in mind while Fanat is in that breakaway, I wouldn't care about that anymore if I'm UAE. Like, it's a satellite rider just like Castro Viejo. For GC, it doesn't matter. He's on 28 minutes at the start of the stage, so that does not matter. The person you're reacting to as UAE is Uran in that breakaway. And Should they, initially, Should they? That, that's what I say. Like, he's on three minutes in GC. If you give him eight minutes today, it's not the end of the world. If it's more than 10 minutes, I'd start getting relatively worried. I wouldn't want to see Uran seven minutes ahead in GC anyway. Like, that's a bit much, personally. Eh, I wouldn't. I, I, yeah, I'm the sort of director that would <laughs> you'd lose, make you rather lose a tour to a, a sprinter because you stand on principle that we refuse to pace. But um, yeah, you'd I give Cavendish an hour. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, I probably would. Except you'd OTL the stage. Um, I, I think I, I tweeted it. This was a gift wrapped. UAE got a gift wrapped opportunity today to give the yellow jersey away to a non-threatening GC competitor to give him two to four minutes. Like, you'll never get a better opportunity. And Pogacar not only paced so hard that, or got his team to pace so hard that he kept the jersey, it looked like he wanted to win the stage as well. Like, they kept this at three minutes, 3.30. Bjerg was better today. Here she dropped on the first climb. Soler du Col de la Croix um, pacing it really, really hard. And Soler's a good descender. So he's actually a big upgrade on the descents for them compared to McNulty last year. McNulty's still in the break. We don't really know why. Maybe as a satellite for the last climb to do a hard pace. It's it's very similar to the Lausanne finish, to the long wee finish where pagach has been better than all the other gc guys i still think though benji there was a conversation if you look i took a note at 74 kilometers to go bennett was talking to pagacha i still think this is a heavy burden to put on your team for maybe four six bonus seconds like i didn't see pagacha dropping anybody on padamorgen like anyone real Yes, certainly. And you get to the scenario where UAE is spacing like this in the peloton behind. And I think that our teams also keep that in mind. Like, Loki, we see the breakaway exploding at that very moment. Jungle's going off the front at the top of that uh, bigger climb, the third last climb. And we see that in the valley afterwards, Wout van Aert tries to keep the second group up the road. And... Is that, you think, because he wants to keep that group up there, or is that because he wants to keep UAE pacing, or what do you think is the logic behind that? Well, yeah, because 
just like the Conrad stage win last year, Jungles attacked with 60k to go. Everyone's like, ooh, bit early. No, because when the group is so big and not working, the break had been finessing constantly. Yeah. Like there's no way Mikkel Bjerg on that climb is keeping the same gap to 20 guys of that quality keeping pacing. Or even Soler on Col de la Croix, which is 8k, 7%. Like, he's not to Izagira, Geshka, Verona, Castro, Wout. Like, they're finessing each other. And so Jung's is like, we'll get caught if we keep playing this game. And so it was a brilliant move, like Conrad's last year on stage 16. And he obviously did the descent as full threat of death because Wout's heavy. Jungle's like, on this descent before the valley went completely <laughs> mental um Pierre de Latour and Pino attacked the sort of bigger engines, Castro, Verona, Wout, and then Latour lost two minutes on the descent. I shouldn't laugh because, like, he, he's not comfortable descending, but I don't know why he attacks so much if he's just going to get dropped on the descent, gets in the way of Uran. And to answer, then circle back to your question, Benji, because Jungles was now 30 seconds up the road, and then it went to a minute before we saw cohesion in that group. I think the answer is... Wout needed, and Castro, at least from my perspective, that group, some of those people to take away the remaining bonus seconds from Pogaccia, um, is my reading of it. I don't think Wout, in that valley, thought he could win the stage. Maybe he also thought if they stayed ahead, I don't know, he could be a useful satellite rider up the road. But there definitely was a switch in sitting on to him and Castro really starting to pull through, at least from what I saw. I think so as well, and I think there's this plays the broadened battle for potentially seconds that we get on stages like these that are set to be breakaway stages beforehand. We see that UAE put so much effort into keeping this breakaway so close, and like you said, they don't want to give that jersey away, apparently. They keep it so close that they keep the jersey after a stage like today, that they don't give it away to someone like Uran. And next to that, they're spending so many riders. But they yes, kept pacing there's... after that. When he, was on, when he was on 90 seconds, they're still hard mm-hmm. pacing. And he's on exactly. 340. Exactly. So it's, I feel like the only reason that you're still pacing once the gap is 90 seconds, for example, is if you believe that you can still win the stage or get bonus seconds at the end of the stage. That's the only thing I see there. But is there a, some kind of like sunk cost fallacy in there where you're pacing so hard with like 5k to go you still see that it's oh god it's still it's still 40 seconds to a minute but i'm gonna keep on pacing anyway because we've been pacing this entire climb already and otherwise it looks stupid if we pace the entire day and then stop pacing in the final five kilometers or do you see nothing like that in there i mean i didn't get it i think it i they took a while to call it off like they definitely, I don't know if they called it off or they just couldn't do it because Micah, I don't think, has it. I think Bennett is the strongest domestique they have uphill right now. And mm-hmm. Micah, less, a bit less. Could be wrong on the big mount stages, but ah. could be, I don't know. I think Bennett's pulling for longer and maybe I'm critiquing Micah too much because he's having to pull right at the pointy end of stages yeah. where it's harder to do that. Um, but I think Pagatcha is just really wanted bonus seconds. Uh, but back to the breakaway battle on Morgin, Bob Jungles, he's done the Valley solo. Maybe there was a bit of a tailwind. He's really strong in Swiss. Like he's a class rider. He's had injury and health problems and he looks like he's back to almost peak level with this move. And he's on the climb. And I thought he was going to 
I thought he was going to just drop out. I, I was like, no way he can do a 12 and a half K climb. Yeah. Or, you know, and there's longer than that afterwards against like Pino, Verona, Castro. And that's what we saw behind Benji. Should t- So Castro, Verona, Pino, Uran begin a counter move. Wout drops back, gives some bottles to the other guys. He couldn't make it to the top in front of them. Should Pino have sat on the engines who seem to be working? I think he should um, have. Uh, I he think... went too early. It was two minutes. Yeah, that's true. It's true. But on the other end, I think just the entire group was probably at a point where they didn't believe that the victory was still there for them. True. I don't know. I think maybe they weren't making any time. Maybe Castro and Verona weren't pulling Pino hard enough. Maybe if he sits on them, they yeah. all just get subsumed but into the peloton. Panache. Panache, my friend. The French want panache. <laughs> well... I think he got close, but anyway, what happens is Bob Jung was on the climb. Pino takes a minute very, very quickly. He then stalls in a minute oh three. We see there's four Ks left in the climb on the graphic. I'm like, he's going to close it. It's down to 30 seconds when it says three Ks to go. And I'm like, he's done. Pino's going to drop on the climb before I realized the graphic shows the last three K falls flat as the climb where it's advantage Jungles. And so Pino can't actually catch Jungles on the final of the cl- of the false flat. And the gap is maintained at 22, 24 seconds. They get to the descent. Of course, Jungles is going to go faster, even though Pino did go as quick as he could. And it's Carlos Verona going for points. I don't think he... No, he did get some, I think, uh, today. Yeah, he got 25. Uh, it's Verona and Castro pacing behind the two rulers for their respective teams, the Spaniards. And... Heartbreak for Pino. He's caught by those two in the final little uphill rise, but it's Bob Jungles for Azure Citroen on a day where their GC leader, Ben O'Connor, had a really tough day with, I think, a hip injury or muscle tear or something. Yeah. It doesn't look good. He's at the medical carnival day, finished, dropped early. On a day to forget from that perspective, they win a huge mountain stage in the first week before the rest day. I was ecstatic for Bobby Ungles to Luxembourger because, yeah, he's had a lot of health issues. He's 29, um, former winner of Liège, Bastogne-Liège, and he wins his first Tour de France stage in an absolute classic style. So, yeah, Ungles is back, Benji. Yeah, I'm so happy to see Ungles do that after a plethora of injuries after, like, he switched a bit from, like, GC back in the day to being a cobble rider for a bit at Quick Step and... Then he had his bad period where it was injury-related that he had a bad period, and now he's able to come back with his climbing and so forth after a good tour to Swiss Eye. I love seeing Bob do this, and we've been happy with Pinot victories before. I think Pinot will win another stage in the Tour de France at some point. I, I believe he's strong enough in the breakaway that he should be able to do that, but today was not his day. Today was Jungles' day, and happy to see him do that. But when it comes to Ben O'Connor, why is he still at this race like... I feel like he shouldn't be at this race anymore. I don't know why. It's like there's a pattern with Groupama and Ajdezer both being teams that keep their riders that are basically half injured in races. We saw it with Pinot back in the day in the tour with Godou with a broken back at some point. Like we've seen it a few times with these two teams. And I don't know, is that a pattern or am I just imagining that? Well, so FDJ lost the best part of two years of Pino's career because he finished the Tour de France 2020 with a completely fucked back. They then had Godou in Paris-Nice this year 
nearly finished outside the time limit in the Paranese TT after Groenewegen, who was probably doing it on a tricycle. And they said, there's actually nothing wrong with him that we can see, apart from the fact that he nearly finished OTL on the TT. They were hoping, they were hoping that he can somehow miraculously win the Vosne finish uphill. Of course, I think it later came out, Benji had like a fracture in his back or a back yeah. injury. And I know these guys are young. Like Pino was young. Godu is young. O'Connor is young. They're your GC contenders for the future. Like GC's done for O'Connor. And whether he can win a stage, not in this shape. I don't know exactly. how you're going to re- rehabilitate, especially when they're MPCC team. And I think uh, Cortico TUE's a banned this year anyway in race um, for all teams. Like <laughs> you're not winning a stage like this. And so you just, he's a very valuable asset and mentally it's not good to struggle like this, even though I commend him for at least getting through. I don't know if he got through today. So he should abandon. Same thing for MVDP Benji. I think Alperson are just floundering and they're just hoping that MVDP can come good. Now he did do a lead out yesterday, so maybe he will come good, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fan of guys below the weather continuing races. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. And it's something we notice um, a few times now with multiple teams. Perfect example with Vanderpool indeed. But when it comes to um, a few teams that we've seen, like like Alpsen is one of those teams that hasn't done anything yet. But then I look at a team like Lotto Sudel, for example. Also, very limited performances so far. Astana was more expected. I think a BNB has been... Uh, basically, the only thing I've seen of BNB is the one time that they dropped with two riders in that breakaway in the first week from and uh, Bonimor's not and the same as last oh, year. Bonimor's not the same level as last year. Yeah, yeah. So, Mossado's yeah, been uh, all right. I think Mossado's been all right. Top top tens three times or something. That's yeah. that's pretty good. But like, what are you gonna buy with it three times top ten? Even as Europe, if even if you're a pro Conti BNB team, I, I don't see. Loads of value in a contract. (laughs) (laughs) At a different team? (laughs) This is a problem with team balancing, Benji. This is why everyone's like, well, you're just always plugging Jay Vine. Well, I'm like, what else are Alperson going to do on a stage like this? Like, no good sending Sylvain Dillier in the break. Like, at least Vine's going to maybe do something. Um, But anyway, we haven't talked about GC enough. Back in the peloton when it was clear that they wouldn't catch the break on the false flat uphill it appeared that mcnulty i don't know when mcnulty got called back we never saw gc group um but it was clear that uae stopped chasing the stage with about three k's to go on that climb the false flat section they conserved micah and bennett i think was done and then we see eventually in the finish line shot that Pagatch is sprinting for the line. So I'm guessing, not sure if you got any intel from anywhere, Benji, but I'm guessing that Pog got Micah and McNulty to give him a bit of a lead out so he could sprint for some time because um, the bonuses were all gone. Is that that's also you... uh, okay? That's also the assumption that I'm making. I also don't have intel on that, but we don't see those two riders still in the group or behind them. So. It would be surprising that Pogacar just goes solo away from everybody in the final kilometer. They also took back quite a bit of time to the breakaway in that final stretch. So it would mean that a tempo change had happened towards the end is what I would be guessing in that final stretch. So I'm guessing that 
just like you said, we had a bit of a lead out that we did not see on the screen because they were showing Thibaut Pino instead. And then we had Pogacar sprinting to the line. And does that show anything? Would you have seen Chris Froome do this in the past? Obviously, Chris Froome's a rider that does not have that kick, so he might not have the belief that he can gain time with a move like this. But did Geraint Thomas do that in the tour that he won because he was the kind of rider that did take time in the final 200 meters of stages, for example, on competition to do that for GC? Or does this feel a bit desperate from the likes of Pogacar to try and gain like three seconds on the likes of a Thomas and Roglic on a stage like this? I mean, if you can just do a sprint and gain three seconds, I don't think there's a problem. I think that's Agreed. worthwhile. That's yeah. much less effort. Like you're there now, it's less effort than pacing for four and a half hours. Um, he didn't take, and maybe Jonas drops the wheel, and then once he's lost the wheel, he you can take some seconds on him. But Jonas keeps the wheel. Uh, Pagacha does take three seconds on Thomas Yates, Mas, Quintana, Caruso, Bade, Gudu, Roglic hangs on at the back of those guys. Peacock's on a little gap. Uh, he finished on uh, seven seconds to Pagacha. In terms of GC guys today, Vlasov lost more time despite yep. a good day yesterday. To Pog, he lost like 27 seconds. Uh, just having another look. Martinez? Martinez, yeah. I'm trying to find him. He's gone. Where is he? He's gone. He's not on 12 minutes. Am I, or is PCS? Danny Felipe Martinez lost 16 minutes. So, yeah, he's, I mean, I'm not surprised, but yeah, O'Connor lost domestique. 27. Yeah, he's got it. He's a domestique now. Um, and I guess it's a shame Pidcock wasn't in the break either because <laughs> I, I worry about Pidcock. Like, if Pidcock's getting dropped on this finish, Benji, mm-hmm. that's perfect for him, then I worry about him on Grenon and, and the others. Although he's doing a fine job for a first Tour de France man. But the question I want to ask is, and I've seen some of it on Twitter, and listen, I've, I bashed Jumbo Visma for, um, <laughs> for winning a Tour de France stage yesterday. I didn't bash them, but I, <laughs> I was like, how dare you win a Tour de France stage? Uh, but I'm going to go in defense mode today. People saying, why what? didn't they attack an exposed oh, UAE? Okay. It's like, the finish doesn't suit Jonas. Roglic says his back hurts. I don't think he's lying because he came in last in that group. Um, I'm pretty sure Roglic normally is a bit punchier than Enric Mas in a finish like this. And, like, if they... Pogaccio also still did have teammates. He had McNulty ahead. Jumbo Visma had no one ahead. If they just set nuclear pace on Morgin and launch Jonas, he has to do 3Ks false flat uphill against McNulty and then 4Ks for an half percent. Like, and then... So it, it, like be like just attack just attack just attack like no like what do you mean like even though it's hot conditions you just the onus is 58 kilos and pagach had teammates 66 kilos and the finish is perfect for roglic but roglic is banged up so i think they they did a perfect thing today lost no time with Jonas. rog lost only three seconds i think if they pace really hard rog could be in trouble today I agree, and it goes to the bigger picture of today as well. Like, we see that UAE spent so much energy, first on Hirschi, and then on the likes of Soler, all, basically all their riders in a row, Bjerg, then Bennett was pacing. Now we saw Micah and McNulty having to spend much as well today, and those riders spending all that energy is energy that might not be there next week. Although we have a rest day tomorrow, I don't think riders just lay in bed for a day and it instantly pops back up to 100%. I don't think it's that easy when it comes to being a cyclist. But 
next to that, Yumbo's seen with like how many riders? Six riders on the final climb. And Wild Fenard was one that was ahead. If he's not in that breakaway initially, he might play a longer role there. That team is looking very strong here. And like you say, I believe that if Yumbo decides to take it up on the final climb or Ineos decides to take it up on the final climb, then they are basically creating a scenario where likely if they catch the breakaway, Pogacar wins the stage. And if they catch any rider that is in the top three, Pogacar takes bonus seconds away from them. So I think it was a good decision in hindsight to not take over with the team on that final climb. And I'm saying in hindsight, but I had this take already when they were on the final climb because I didn't see the value in taking control from that point onwards. The only value that I saw with Van Aert being in the breakaway and so forth was trying something early on that called Aqua, for example. But uh, looking at Roglic at the finish line and so forth, I'm not sure he's in the shape to go for long. And there's no one else in their team that can go for long because I wouldn't do it with Jonas so early. So I think that's the kind of take I have on it right now. So I wouldn't see, a, I don't see an issue with Yumbo doing what they did today. When it comes to Wout being in the breakaway and not doing much towards the end, I think I think it's basically just having Wout in the breakaway just in case that he can be used. Like, satellite riders being in the breakaway doesn't instantly mean that every race scenario will allow you to use that satellite rider. It will become sometimes a situation where you can't use that satellite rider, where you can't use Wout Fanard. And today that kind of felt like it. In the end, he did give some water bottles. So I guess the entire plan of Yumbo today in regards to Wout was getting those water bottles to the team. But uh, anyway, like, I agree with you. I agree that I see more issues with how UAE took up the stage today. In what world is Jonas getting separation from Pogaccia? Not today. On on the Mourjain climb. And I agree, you don't know if you don't try, but mm-hmm. you should try on terrain, which is conducive to the GC guy you have. Yeah. We have on stage 11 and stage 12. Today, I think damage limitation, UAE paced for four hours, blowing through their team. If your enemy is making a mistake, don't interrupt them. And yeah, I mean, the counter argument is, well, UAE false paced, the climb like Ineos did on Egual because Pogacar might have been vulnerable and if you just put Kus or Christlike to pace a little bit you could have exposed Pogacar very easily I agree I do think McNulty up the road changes that a little bit McNulty's a truck and he'd been sitting on the brake the entire day and if he starts pulling that shallow sectional 4k is 4% you're, you're done even though Castro is up the road so I just think yeah um, I understand why Yumbo and Ineos didn't try anything. I think Ineos is just trying to survive, to be honest. Like, I mean, although like they got the Yates and Thomas, like when are they going to try? I guess. Um, but yeah, anything else from this stage, Benji? Uh, I'll remind everyone the GC standings: Jonas on thirty-nine behind Pagacha, Thomas one seventeen, Yates one twenty-five, Godu one thirty-eight, Bade one thirty-nine. Pidcock in 7th on 146, Mass 150, Paulus 155, Quintana 213, Roglic 252, and Uran and Martinez completely drop out of GC. I think Uran's on 941 now. So <laughs> I was like, no need to pace after Uran. Everyone's like, he, you don't know what could happen. It's like, yes, 
if Pikachu can't take four minutes back on Oran, then he should just stay in the rest day hotel and not turn up to stage 10. Like, come on now. Um, but yeah, any last thoughts on this stage? Do you think UA will feel it? Or do you think what's what else is the purpose of Mikael Bjerg other than to just pace? When it comes to Bjerg and Hirsch, you have less of an issue with it than having Soler, Bennett and Sethov doing the same Soler tempo keep it up so hard. hard towards the end. Yeah, like, but Soler also dropped, by the way, with Hirschi early in the stage. So he's also not looking good, for example, when, it's, when it comes to his form. I don't know. It's a team that already lost a man in their team. I think they're going to feel it in week two. I think those Alp stages will be really hard for them. And I'm uh, extremely curious what will happen when Yumbo starts taking it up on a longer climb and how many people of a team of UAE will still be left when that happens. And I think we can talk through those scenarios on the rest day pod, right? Yeah, the Rest Day podcast will give our predictions for week two. We'll preview stage 10, which could be a similar stage to today, to be honest. And and we'll say who we think will win the Tour de France. And yeah, I think, <laughs> I think, I don't know. Everyone's telling me I'm insane. And I'm ba- I don't think I'm a flat earther. I'm back off. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'm a flat earther. I think I'm going more back to um the big short territory yeah but i would say that if you believe the earth is flat you don't know you're insane (laughs) (laughs) one more thing one more thing i think the riders are being uh tested for covid by a pcr test tonight that's at least what i read on twitter by jose bain and i do trust her tweets most of the time so uh when it comes to these covid tests we've had more riders this morning i completely forgot who's out of the race but they probably were important for the race Bouchard's out and Ruben Guerrero. I'm sorry, Guerrero, not COVID, other unrelated illness. And another rider, but I don't remember which one, but he's also out, that random person in the peloton. Anyway, there might be some other people dropping out in the coming days. There's a lot of riders that are underperforming towards what I would expect from them, but I hope that we uh, have a full peloton once we start in McGav. Yeah, Uh, I think their doctor is out. Quick step, like half the staff, haven't they? Tested positive yeah. for COVID. Yeah. And the Askren pulled out with an injury today. And the rest of the team is like groupetto all day. So like Maggioli Honore. So I don't know. Hopefully everyone's okay tomorrow. Um, but yeah, that's all from us today. Thanks to Zwift as always for supporting the podcast. Stay tuned for our Giro Rosa recap tomorrow and our Twitter France Rest Day podcast. And we'll see you then. Ciao.